0: where we're going to be to start Pastor does jokes in Sunday school that are pretty corny usually so I tried to find some that might top his be hard. <laughs> So what do dentists call their x-rays A toothpick A toothpick. toothpick Yeah when does a joke become a dad joke? When it becomes a parent. Oh, yes. Which nursery song would Jesus have heard the most? Mary had a little lamb. Mary had a little lamb. I'm going to look at a topic called drifting. Um, if you've ever been on, in a floaty on a water or stream, if you've ever gone white water rafting and anything like that, you've drifted just floating away. Uh, white water rafting is a lot of fun. It's even better when you get through the rapids and they say, all right, just relax, just let the boat go on its own. And usually the boat just keeps going downstream. And if you're not ready, you're going to hit another rapid if you're not looking for it and you won't be prepared. So I want to look at the topic of, are you drifting? And I I found a story. It says two young men were fishing um, on a river on the top side of a dam near their hometown. As they were concentrating on catching fish, they were unaware that they had drifted until they were too far, and they were hearing the water going over the dam. When they realized the situation, the current drew them closer and closer Eventually, they were not able to paddle away. After getting rushed over onto the rocks, caught up in the swirling water under the rocks, they never came back to the surface. After days of searching, the divers found the first body, and then three days later, the other. You know, all they did was go out fishing, and they started drifting. I want to look at that there. And Hebrews chapter 2, it says in verse 1, Therefore we ought to give the most earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. And, you know, take heed. Because you know when you start to drift is usually when you're too far away and you didn't even notice it. Um, so there's a danger in drifting. If you've ever been in a boat, there's a lot of danger. Um, I don't know if there's anyone that's never been on a boat or been out in heavy water and heavy waves, it doesn't take much. Um, but, you know, physically, we drift into the river. We drift down a, maybe on a lake. We can drift into the ocean. You can drift. But spiritually, we could be drifting and not even realize it if you're not even paying attention. And that's why we need to, as I said, th- therefore we ought to give the most earnest heed that the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. So I've got a few things here, things about drifting that I thought were interesting that I looked up. A few things that are interesting. One, drifting requires no effort. You don't have to do a thing to drift. Um, Really, the only thing you have to do is pick the paddles up, take them out of the water. You know, if you take them out, lay down, relax, talk with someone, you're not even going to realize it. You're drifting away. Same is true for us spiritually. You know, that's why it says to uh, take heed the, uh, to this. It's earnest. Hey, get your paddles in the water. Keep going. Don't drift. When you give up is when you start floating away. Another one is, it kind of goes with it, is it's an unconscious process that you don't even realize. Um, the water's nice and smooth. Nothing's going to happen, but we forget about the undercurrents. There's water moving. It's pulling. You know, it's, you don't notice it when you're in open water, but when you're near land and then you lay down or something, you stop and you turn and you look, the land is farther away. It's a little bit more tricky when you're out in the ocean. They say it's a lot harder because you don't have anything to look at to see where you've gone. You've got to be on it. You've got to be watching. Pilots have the same problem with their planes. They get in a jet stream. It could pull them without them. They have to watch. You have to watch your gauges. The captain of a boat has to watch his compass, watch his numbers. Is it right? Don't give up. Don't just stop and say, it's pointing that way, we're going to go that way. It doesn't work. You know what? it doesn't work? If you're in your car and you say, I'm going down the road, go straight. You don't go straight. Especially in Auburn with a pothole. You're not going to go straight. You know? More earnest heed, says. Um, another one that I found, there, I thought of was, a lot of churches slowly back off on some things, And then years later, they wonder, how did we get here? They drifted away. We took it easy. We relaxed. We pulled the paddles up a little bit. And then you know what happens? It's too late. The churches are going. There's churches closing up because they were just drifting along, taking it easy, take it for granted. We're just going to float along, and it's too late. Another thing is, we never drift upstream. It's impossible to drift upstream or against the tide. No one has ever drifted that way. Um, faithfulness is like the Lord to the Lord is like paddling upstream. You're staying faithful. You're going. When you give up and you stop, it doesn't work. In Second Peter, it says in Second Peter chapter one, Second Peter chapter one, in verse five. Who let me get the second and in first here. 2 Peter 1 5. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to, your, and to virtue knowledge. And you can go down the list. Keep going, keep adding. Paddle. When we went whitewater rafting with Pastor Ingalls, um, there was a guide in the front, actually, it was in the back. The guide was in the back, and they would say, Paddle, left, right, paddle, hard on the right. And you would be just digging in as far as you could go, pulling that thing. And, you know, you just don't stop. When you get into the rapids, or if you get going, or even in the calm, he's in the back while we're relaxing. He still has his paddle in. He's still turning it left. He's turning it right. He's guiding that boat still. It's never left alone. It's, it's going to be hard. you got to push. Add. Keep going. you got to keep growing. It says over in chapter 3, in verse 18, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Add, grow, push, paddle. Keep going. Don't start drifting. Um, Another one is the speed of your drift will increase the farther downriver you go. The closer to the waterfall or rapids, the faster it is, and it's harder to get out of it. Just like these guys in the boat that I told you the story about. By the time they heard the water, by the time they realized it, it's too late. You're not gonna be able to pull out of it. Better to just stay away from it. Keep paddling, keep going. Another thing about it is it's dangerous for others. When you're drifting, you're gonna hit into some other people that might be going the other direction. You can knock them off course. You can hurt them. You can do damage to them. A ship drifting can sink two ships itself and another ship if it hits it hard enough. Gotta be careful. Um, it's dangerous for others. You know, I think I thought of it as parents. A parent that drifts hurts the kids. You know, it's it's you can damage your children if you're adrift and just floating along and you don't pay attention. Bible says in Ephesians six, in verse four, and ye fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Parents, we need to keep in it, paddling. For the kids don't make it so it's dangerous for the kids don't provoke them to do stuff and in the end like I said it ends in shipwreck into the rocks into the waterfall into whatever it is they beach the boat and the boats no good it's it ends in shipwreck you have to stay on it you have to keep paddling so those are some things about drifting is that it takes no effort It's an unconscious process. You just let it go. You never uh, drift upstream in different ones. But how about some signs of maybe that we're drifting? Some common signs that you can look for in your life to say, Am I drifting in life? One is you have a diminished desire to study God's Word and pray. Have you ever noticed that we have the greatest book ever written? We have the Bible. And if you're not willing to get in it, if you have no desire to get in it anymore, or maybe you don't have the desire to get in it as much as you used to, watch out. You're starting to drift away a little. You're starting to get away from it. Or how about this? You say, I don't even pray as much as I used to. I used to pray a lot. I don't really pray that much anymore. I, if I get time, I will. I don't have time to do it. You're drifting away. The sign that you're drifting is if you don't if you don't have a desire for the Bible, you don't have desire to talk to the Creator who saved your soul, careful, you're drifting. You're starting to drift down the river. Another one is you have a, your desires to be with God's people. kind of falls apart. or falls away. When you have better time with your friends outside of church and they are better for you and you have more fun with those people, that's a sign that you're drifting. Some of my closest friends are people I grew up with in this church. Not ones that I've met out there in the world. Because the ones out in the world, they just want to use you and toss you away. If you, you want to be with them, take heed. You're drifting. You should want to be in church. Not just with the church people, but you should be, have a desire to be in church. If you have, you know what, it got easy with COVID to stay home and watch church. Last summer, when last spring when we got shut down, you know it got easy for some to just say, hey, you know what, I could turn it on. It's going to be on TV, and then Pastor said we're going to start back up. Oh, I got to go back to church. It's been nice doing it here at home, watching it. Careful, we drifted a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know we got to get paddling, get back in there, get going. We should be in church. We should be with uh, people, uh, fellowship here at church with our friends and. People that actually care about us, not just want to use us. Because that, there is nobody in the world that just wants to be your friend. They always want something from you. And it doesn't take much. So who, who, where's your desires? To be with God's people in God's house or be with your friends? Another one is you have a diminished desire to share the gospel, to go tell others. Um, I, I had some people that came to my mind that were all about going out and witnessing that don't even go out anymore. Careful. If you don't have the desire to go and tell someone what God did for you and how they need to hear it, because they're going to die and go to hell if they don't trust Christ, if that doesn't bother you, you're starting to drift a little. You're drifting away. And then increased thrills with the worldly stuff more than church. Um, sporting events. Sporting events. I like sports, but if that becomes a bigger thrill, a bigger, bigger excitement, and go to the church, there's problems. John warned us of the love, uh, the things of the world more than the things of God. Be Careful. You're drifting if you love this world and the things of this world more. You love the money you could make if you skip church and go to work. Careful. It's going to get you. You're starting to drift. So you've got to watch out because there's all different things that are signs that are drifting. And then there's some remedies for drifting. One of them is the most obvious one, and I've said it. Keep rowing. When you're in the boat and you notice you're starting to drift, don't sit there. Put the paddle in and get back on course. Get going again. Uh, It says in uh, 2 Peter, 2 Peter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1. Verse 10 says, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if we do these things, ye shall never fail. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence and to make your calling and election sure. Get paddling, get in there, keep rowing. If I can just encourage you, to, maybe you've pulled the paddle up, get the paddle in the water, get paddling, get going. Don't try to be in the way of others that are going this way and you're drifting this way. Turn the boat around. You don't hear the water going over the waterfall yet. There's time. Turn the boat. Another thing you can do is study and understand the undercurrents. Know where they are. You know, a good captain of a boat doesn't fight the currents. They'll use the currents to get places. There's there's a reason why some of the the boats sail at certain times when the the water's high or the water's low or they can know which way it's going. You know, the airplanes do it too. When to fly with the jet stream and they follow it to get around. Use them. Don't, but understand what they are, how they work, where they are before it's too late. The last one is expect to go against the tide. Usually, drifting means you've given up and you just go with the flow. We need to stay going the opposite direction. Fight through it. That's the problem with a lot of people today and a lot of churches today. They've given up fighting for what's right, and they went with the crowd because it was just easier to go the other way and float the other way. And then it sneaks in, and it gets in there, and you say, Oh, I didn't even know. Keep the fight. Keep pushing. Back in the old days, when they had all the big, long paddles, they would say, just keep going. Get through that wave. Go through the next wave. Keep going. Paddle through it. Expect to go against the tide. If you are living for God, you're going against the tide. If you want to do what's right, you got to go against the tide. Everyone else is going this way because it's the easy way. Fight it. Push through it. Once you get through the storm then you're gonna see it's a lot better. Don't put it off. I have two questions for you in conclusion. One, are you drifting? And I want you, this is for all of us, but don't ever say this, the foolish question of, well, it couldn't happen to me. Careful. It could happen to anyone. You know, there are some great navigators in the history of our world that found places because they were off course. They weren't where they were supposed to be. But they were, oh, they're so good, they can't get lost. They got lost. There's islands that have been found because somebody was lost. They named them after something because they thought they were somewhere else. It's happened. So don't think it could never happen to you. It could happen to all of us. You could be drifting and not even knowing it. And then secondly, are there signs of drifting in your life? Maybe some of these signs has how is your desire to read your Bible? How is your desire to spend time and pray? How is your desire to want to tell others about the gospel? Or how about this one? How is your desire to want to be with fellowship with believers? You know, we could say, Oh, I'm good on reading. I read my Bible. Oh, I pray. I don't want to always be with people, some of those people. Careful. We need each other. You know, we found that out last year. We need each other. We need church. We need to be in church together. And, you know, I'm so thankful we have the live stream. I'm so thankful we have that, but it doesn't sound the same. It doesn't sound the same hearing the singing at home as it does here in the pew. It does, it's not the same. You need to be with people. Are you drifting in your life? Do you have an increased desire for the things of the world? Do you have those? How are you doing? Are you drifting? Take heed. It could happen. Pay attention. Know what you're doing. And you know, it's just like the race or anything else. Don't Give up. Don't stop. Paddle on. Push through. Don't drift. Because at some point, you're going to stop at the bottom of the rocks and think, how did I get here? I didn't think I'd get here because we got a little lax, and we drifted. Don't drift in your life.
1: Um, To everyone today. because there's a lot of people in here that don't understand how they've, uh, encouraged Desiree and I, um, how God has used you in our lives, um, it starts, uh, really being a child, um, I grew up with a family that, uh, they believe there was a God, um, my family was, uh, my father was a Catholic, um, we've never gone to church, uh, as a family, um, my mother grew up going to like Protestant churches. Um, but uh, as a child, they would still bring us. Um, I went to Second Baptist Church for like VBSs and such. It's funny how uh, God um, uses things. You grow up and you forget about things. And uh, when I got saved, I, I couldn't even tell you how many times now that I've got to look back at my own life and see how God has just, he's been there completely the whole entire time. Um, He's given me his word. Um, He's put people in my life, um, no matter how small or big, that have just, uh, that have been there, have been an encouragement. Um, It starts with uh, growing up on uh, Sherwood Street, across from a playground. Um, You know, there's always these uh, peculiar kids that you'd, come around once in a while. Um, I say peculiar because I was never homeschooled. Um, what I knew of homeschooling was, is be nice. Um, only weirdos homeschool. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I grew up and I just meet friends. I have a great time growing up across the street from this playground. Um, Later in life, uh, as just things are going on, we'll get back to the two children um, because they've become an influence uh, big time. Um, I'm growing up and uh, just other things are happening. Um, I'm very, uh, I was always a disobedient child. Um, We just didn't grow up in a house that had as... uh, um, very strict things, my parents were loving parents, they cared for us. they were always there for us. Um, my dad just he worked a lot that's what he knew how to do um, and he just that working uh was an encouragement. I know I grew up to to learn how to how to work um, i didn't grow up to much other things sometimes, but uh but as time goes on uh there's other things there's other people that have just kind of uh moved into our lives. Um, Desiree went to, uh, to Union Springs School. Um, she got to go up with the Briars. Didn't know it until she walked into this church that those were, were Christian people. And yet, some of her fondest memories that she's told me of is just having Mr. Briar in the cafeteria, being with the kids, always being happy, always smiling, being a testimony that you don't think of when you're a child, you don't realize it until all of a sudden you're 30 years old and you've had to watch God do things in your life and you realize, thinking, what was this for, why? And you just start to be able to look back and uh, you can see uh, things like Mr. Breyer and Mrs. Breyer being her substitute. Um, I had moved, I lived in most of Auburn, uh, lived in most of Auburn, I've lived in Auburn most of my life, um, but I did move to Union Springs for a few years of my life, and I got to meet um, Mrs. Breyer and Mr. Breyer, and they were a joy just to be around. They were just the nicest people you could ever meet, and when you're a child of that age, you come across a lot of bad teachers, and I say that to be in the nicest way, you know, when, when we're lost, what do we, I mean, we don't know anything. We just know what the world has taught us, and... Uh, Some of these people I've always held grudges against. And I've realized, especially since being saved, that uh, forgiveness is key to that situation. I mean, I've already tried to forgive all these people that I thought have wronged me. And really, it was God just putting situations in my life to grow me. Um, I know now as I'm growing up what to, not to do, and and still learning. But um, So when I got to Union Springs... um, I got to meet uh, Mrs. Fenton. Um, I took Spanish for seven years. Hola. Okay, I've, that's my Spanish, sorry. <laughs> um, but what a wonderful teacher. What a wonderful person to, uh, to just have um, in your life and encouragement. Um, you know, I didn't know exactly, uh, you know, with the schools, it's really hard to be able to talk about, about God and Christianity. But I can sit back here and think about her testimony and just who she was as a person. And to now to think about the influence that she may have had on all these other kids, the influence that Mr. and Mrs. Breyer may have had on hundreds and hundreds of children that they may never see again. And it's only been by the the grace and glory of God that I'm even here to, that they can see maybe a work that they didn't realize. Um, so when you guys are going out there and, and in trying to uh, pass tracks out and uh, talk to people and witness to people and just being who you are, it's an encouragement. Um, and you guys should be encouraged to know that it may be 10, 15 years later, but somebody may walk through those doors and you may look upon their face and say, I remember them. I got to witness to them. And maybe you might not. You might never see any of your fruit until that day when you're going to get into heaven and you might see their face and they might see your face. And you may have been the last person that they've ever talked to, that they ever saw before they went into eternity. So when I was uh, growing up, before I got saved, I'm out of high school um, I'm just I'm about the world, everything about it. I played video games 24/7. Um, I got a job when I was, well, I had worked for the most part growing up, um, but I was very good about not working and being able to save money and just so I didn't have to work. I was really good at not spending my money in certain ways, and then I'm terrible about it in other ways. Um, but uh, but Desiree begins working at the hospital, and uh, she meets another gentleman named Adam. These peculiar little boys happen to show up back in our lives 15 years later, 20 20 years later almost. Um, Adam just being Adam, he just does what he does. I hear about him every once in a while because Desiree and Adam become friends, and um, He invites her to, uh, to like a Christmas concert, and you know, he's, I don't know this guy, I've never met Adam, um, but I can just, I know that he sounds like he's a Christian. I don't, at this point, I don't really know what a Christian is. I don't know, I've seen so-called Christians, um, now that I'm saved, uh, apparently lots of my friends were Christians, um, but they never told me, um, but that's okay. That's okay. We have all got struggles, and we've all got plans. And uh, it's an it's a, it's an encouragement to see Christians that that speak about their things, like Adam, who even though he's at work, has the time to pass out a gospel track. Um, with that uh with that being said, um. I begin to start going through a really rough time period in my life. Um, this is right about when we're about to have our first child, um, and I'm just—I'm a mess of a man. Um, I don't know. I have no uh, hope for anything. I'm kind of just down in the dumps every day of my life. Um, nothing more than just myself. It's that uh, the world likes this uh, self-pity, and I wallowed in it. I—I I absolutely. Uh, I let the world and the flesh and the devil just control me. And uh, we're getting ready to have our child. And uh, Karma's born. And uh, my job, I'm not thinking anything of it. It's been an all right job. Um, I'm, uh, I'm at work and we have a problem. All of a sudden the phone starts ringing. Desiree calls me. Um, our daughter's only 12 hours, maybe 19 hours old. And she calls me tells me that they're rushing her to Syracuse. And I'm just, I didn't, I wasn't a person that wanted children, and now a child has come into my life, and all the emotions of all of a sudden having a child have just now hit me. Um, and as I'm getting ready to leave, I don't know what to do, so I just go straight to the HR. I'm just like, hey, I had a kid yesterday. I don't know what's going on. They're being rushed to Syracuse. I need to leave. The lady wasn't very nice, needless to say. Um, her words to me were, well, make sure you clock out. As if I didn't have other things on my mind. As if she didn't know exactly who, was, who I was. I mean, I had been in contact with her. Um, she had already denied health paperwork. I was trying to... Uh, with the emergency and everything, I'm trying to get some time off from work now because now I have a wife who's in one hospital and a daughter who's in another hospital. Um, but, so things are bad in my mind. I'm kind of losing all hope. Um, as time goes on, eventually, the situation, I get the time off. I get to spend the time up. Uh, we get to go to Syracuse. and uh, I never even started my timer. Good job, Nick. (laughs) Sorry. Um, so, um, basically it gets to the point where, uh, one day I get out of work and I'm, I'm about as stressed as I've ever been. Um, I'm crying in my own house as nobody's around. I don't know what else to do. Um, I start to get thoughts that I wouldn't want anyone to have. Um, And at one point, I just sat on the ground with my head in my feet and in my knees, and I just, I cried out. I didn't know who I was crying out to. But I just said, please. Please. I need answers. I need to know the truth. At this point, the world has no truth to offer. All I kept seeing was just mistake after mistake. I kept seeing lie after lie in the world. There's just, you look, and I mean, you can see today. You can turn on the news and you couldn't tell what's truth or what's not. You couldn't tell what's been real. And at this point, I just about lost it. Um, But God answered that man sitting there crying. And a journey began for the next about three years. Um, I started just seeing things. I started seeing like the trees outside, the sky, creation itself. And you can read in uh, Romans where um, he tells us that the creation itself, the invisible things of God, are seen. They're in our hearts. And uh, that became real to me. I began to see that there's something more than just, than just the life. And it, it wasn't me. It was God obviously pulling me to him, allowing me to see things that I had just closed my eyes to. Um. But through all this time, so I start looking up things. Um, and I don't know if you guys know, uh, you probably do. Um, I'm going to butcher his name now. Les Stroud, Lee Stroud. Um, he's, he's, there's a movie called The Case for Christ. It's uh, Lee Strobel. There we, there we go. Um, and uh, I came across a 20-minute clip of it. Um, where it talks about the evidence for the Bible, which is astounding. There's just too much. Um, It talks about um, the actual evidence in it and the witness statements. Um, And as he's going through it, he's speaking to all these professionals, some that don't believe, some that do. Um, It got to the point where... uh, Towards the end of it, he starts talking about the crucifixion and whether or not Jesus could have uh, lived on the cross if he could have not actually died and he could have just been taken down. And uh, there's a funny thing that even the world will like to admit, but they like to hide. He finds in uh, the Journal of Science that they proclaim that what the Bible says about the spear going into Jesus' lung No one would have known, scientifically, that when blood and water come out, that's a sign of asphyxiation. That's the perfect sign of, that's a sign of death. You know that once you see the blood and water out of the lung, that it's death. When I heard what they did, something inside of me cried. When I thought about what happened to Jesus, I cried. I didn't know what else to... It was just... I finally started to realize what I had done and what my part in was everything. And at the very end, um, there was a question, and it was uh, the guy asked him, "Why, uh, why would you stop digging in dirt and become a preacher of God? And the guy looked at him and said, it's love. I don't. I never understood what love was, but I realized that somebody had taken their life, put it on a cross for us, and that brings me to back to the encouragement parts of it. Um, I had been searching, and searching, and searching. I started reading a Bible, and if you guys want to turn to John chapter fourteen. In verse 6, after I read this verse, one of our uh, church members ended up getting a call from us. And it's Jesus saith saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I looked at that. And said, this man is claiming to be the way, the truth, and the life. What am I going to do? What am I going to do about it? And eventually, I didn't know. So I called up. um, I had Desiree. She called up Adam. And uh, I didn't. We're talking 15 years later. Now, this has only been about five years since, uh, since they've been working together. But now I've met these children 20 years ago. All of a sudden, Desiree, who me and her have only known each other for five years, she meets Adam. And I just see God constantly, constantly working. And I didn't even know Adam was the boys that I lived down the street from. We're driving to go meet Adam, and all of a sudden we drive by and she says, Yeah, that's where he lived, right down there. I kind of look, right down there? Well, I know these guys. So we talk. He gives me the plan of salvation. But I'm still not quite I'm still not quite ready. There's still something I'm holding on to. So he says, Hey, we're having this beast feast. Signs so me a beast feast card. I look at it and think, wow, 15 years ago, another man from this church, Dave Call, handed somebody else some Beast Feast tracks. And I was at that Beast Feast 15 years ago, and then here is Adam, now handing me a Beast Feast track. And I'm just watching God just circling around. I'm watching him just bring people from here, I'm watching him bring people from there, people that." I had no clue. How, how do we go in this world? There's just this many people, and yet God puts a Dave Call, a Mr. and Mrs. Fenton, a Mr. and Mrs. Breyer, and Adam and Jerry, all in one place. He does it because he loves us. He knows what we're going through, who we are, He knows who you guys are. And he wants to use you. He could have done anything he wanted to save me. He didn't have to use these people that are here. He could have used anything. He could have used the internet. I was, well, off looking on my own. But that's not what God chooses. He chooses to use sinners like us. People that just stay faithful. Dave... He probably had no clue who he was handing out all those tracks to. He probably had no idea what kind of influence um, he could have been. Um, Adam had no clue when we were sitting down. He had no clue who I was at first. I mean, he has known me as far as I'm Desiree's husband, but he doesn't know that, he doesn't realize that we've played on the same playground together, that we've been around each other, that God has already molded people in our lives. So when you think about that, I want you to think about all those people that are in your lives right now, that God is using you to influence, that God is using you to bring to Christ. He wants to use us. He wants to be an encouragement to us, and he wants us to encourage others. And that's just what kind of he had for me today. Instead of the original message I had, he just, I felt him wanting me to, There's the, the encouragement I've gotten from this group of people, from my brothers and sisters, I never knew what love was. Not the love of Christ, not the love of God, not the love of people who just, you guys didn't know us, but you brought us in. God has used you guys to be an encouragement to us, and I thank God almost every single day that I think about it of what He's done, where He's pulled us from it's uh it's been very wonderful to see what he's done um and I know there's been other people that have uh, been in this church. So this morning, um, we had two visitors that apparently have been to this church before. When I first got saved, the young man, Michael, he was one of my employees. When I first got saved, we began talking. Why I don't know why he puts people in our lives, but yet here he was, and now Michael's working with another group of Freedom Baptist Christians. God has entrusted us, and He's entrusted this church with a work. I just, I thank you guys. I thank God that you guys keep being faithful. I want to encourage you to keep being faithful, to keep looking for all those people out there that you have no clue. It may be 10, 15 years, maybe 20 years. You may never see anything you may see that person that you give a track to just down in the dumps. But know that God is working on them. And God just needs you to be faithful to keep on giving that message of his salvation, of what he has done for us. And if you don't know what he's done yet, he gave his son. Something that we can never give a price none of us could ever pay. And he gave it for each and every single one of us, each and every single person that's out there. Um, so just, not really sure, just, I just wanted to be an encouragement. I hope that you guys will be an encouragement to the people out there for you that just like you've encouraged me.